Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. This message comes from our series, Represent. During this series, we learn how to represent God through our words and actions. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Good. Hey, I want to welcome both of our campuses here today. If you're worshiping with us at Noonan, at our Noonan campus, I want to say welcome. If you're worshiping with us at our LaGrange campus, I want to say welcome to you as well. We are a church in multiple locations, and we're very, very excited about that. I long for the day when I can look in that camera and talk to major multiple cities all the way around us, and I believe that day, I pray, will come sooner than we think. So I'm glad you're here today. We're in a series called Represent. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to represent. All right, some of you go, wow, that was awkward. I don't know the person beside of me, but that's okay, all right? So we're in this series called Represent. And the first week we talked about the confusion sometimes the world has with us as Christians because they don't know what we represent. And when there's a gap, they typically go fill in the gap, right? So if they don't know what we represent, they try to say, oh, this is what you're about, right? So you're about rule management and you're about behavior modification and about all these other things. And the truth is that's not what we're about. We said that we're about love. We're about seeing people reconciled in the relationship with God. We're about transformation, seeing people's lives transformed through the gospel. And then we talked about how we, more than anything, we're just ambassadors of Jesus. And then last week, and I just want to give kudos, Chris Paschal just hit it out of the park last week. He preached about freedom. And uh, yeah, I, I think we ought to give him a great round of applause. He preached about freedom and he said that, he said basically this is that when, when you know that Jesus has set you free, then you have this insatiable desire to see other people set free. And we represent freedom. He said, freed people, free people. And, and that's a huge concept. That's a big deal. But as Christ followers, we need to understand we ought to be living our freedom that we have in Jesus in front of this world. And the world's looking at us going, wow, how can I live my life that freed up? And so today, I want to talk to you about one of the, the subjects in the series that I think is very, very critical to us representing Christ to our world. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. And as you're turning over there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had something in your life that you knew that was coming, that you had hoped would happen, and you waited for it in expectation, and in waiting in expectation, you hoped that it was as good as you hoped it would be. Anybody ever had that happen? All right. For some of you students, you're thinking that way about school, right? Like, I can't wait for school. Like, just a few weeks, I'm going to be back. In... No, you're not thinking that at all. You're saying, Sean, you're sniffing glue again, okay? I want to say this to you. Listen, there are things in our life like that. Like, for me, one of the greatest moments of anticipation was when we found out we were gonna have a son. I'll never forget, in fact, it's almost been 21 years ago, this time we were preparing, we were in our last trimester, about to become parents. So how many of you are first time parents within the last year? Raise your hand, both campuses, all right? So you know that feeling, like some of us, we've forgotten it because we've been, you know, like parents for so long, but that, that sense of there's this child that's about to come into our life and, and we are so expecting and we are so waiting and we are so wanting to meet this person and to know them and for them to know us and yet they hear every sound you make, right? And they, they, they feel everything you eat and, and, and all this other stuff, but there's just sense 
months of nine months of anticipation and waiting. And the funny thing is, think of all the things you do. You paint bedrooms in anticipation, right? You go buy lots of things. Like you didn't know you needed 60,000 things to go into a baby's room or into a baby carriage, but man, you just went for it. I mean, I remember every other day we were going to baby our us. Okay, so much so I was gonna get a tattoo that says baby is we, all right? I just, we went all the time. And then there was just those moments of just sitting as a couple and we would reflect on what we hoped for for our son. And I'll never forget, we, we wrote down 23 scripture promises that we wanted to pray over our son. And to this day, those, that, those cards, 20, almost 21 years later, are sitting next to my wife's nightstand and those 23 cards, those 23 promises that we prayed for Kyle's life, we're still praying over his life. You see, when you know something's coming and you know you're expecting something great, it creates something in you called hope. Hope. And I'll never forget the day that he was born and I saw hope realized. And I said to myself, I'll never be the same again. You know, I think our world needs hope. Our world needs hope. Hope is one of the most powerful things on the planet. The other night I was watching the ESPY Awards. And you guys ever watch the ESPY Awards? Okay, I'm kind of like an ESPN junkie. And uh, I watch them every year. Sometimes they do some things on there that are crazy weird. But I'm gonna tell you most years, there are some stories that will literally like transform your way of thinking. And there were two specifically that just really grabbed me. One was the 15 year old boy, uh, Javion Dobson, who gave his life to cover two of his friends during a gunfight. Someone came and shot up the place and and he covered two of his friends and he sacrificed his life as a 15-year-old boy. And all of these people were talking about it and his mom got up and he received the Arthur Ashe Award and and, and I just thought, wow, what 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 a crazy moment. Like our world needs hope. And then like five to 10 minutes later, they did kind of the unthinkable. Then they decided they were gonna give out the Jimmy V Award. And there's this guy who's a commentator named Craig Sager who works for the NBA and TNT. And he stood on stage in the middle of recovery and they showed what he was going through before he would even go do a basketball game. The dude is sitting there getting therapy, like getting chemo, leaves, goes and does a game and then gets up the next morning and goes and does chemo. But he stands on that stage and here's what he says. He says, I have hope. And every time I watch that show, I'm, I'm reminded of how our world is craving for this thing called hope. Where do I find it? Where do I get it? How does it last? Every person who walked on that stage who received one of those types of rewards, they had one quality about their life. They had hope. And the truth is this. Hope is one of the most powerful things on the planet. And the funny thing is every one of them, hope came alive in their darkest moment. It wasn't like they were doing great and everything was happening. It's like when all the odds are starved against them, that's when hope arised. And I want to tell you, I think as a culture, we're in that moment right now. See, listen to this. Hope has the power to change your momentum in life. It can literally change the game. Think about it. 
How many of you have ever watched a football game and a team is down by two touchdowns and praise the Lord, we're about to get some college football back up in here. Can I get an amen? All right. The drought is almost over. I received that testimony, sir. I'm telling you, there's that moment about the third or fourth quarter where a team is behind by two or three touchdowns and everyone's like, ah, let's go to flip to the next game, whatever. But one play, one first down, one deep pass, one field goal, and the whole trajectory of the game begins to change. And you begin to feel the momentum change. Why? Because hope starts rising. Hope has the power to change your momentum in life. I mean, think about it. Not just one play, one action. Think about how one step in your life can create momentum. There are some of us, we've taken some really big steps in our life and our life was changed because we made a decision to take the first step. Think about how one word can change your momentum. I thought about this the other day. How many people this week got the diagnosis that said you have cancer and all hope is lost? And then one word brings them hope. Here's the word. It's treatable. Or you get a phone call that says, hey, your wife was in a car accident. (gasps) But her injuries are non-life-threatening. You see how one word can change the, the equilibrium of hope? Or think about if you're taking summer classes in college and you think you're gonna fail. And you hear the words, past. I am living testimony that C's get degrees. (laughs) Right? Praise the Lord for that. One word. It's treatable. It's non-life-threatening. You passed. One word can change the momentum. Why? Because hope has the power to change the momentum. And then think about one moment. There are certain moments in our life that that one moment defines the rest of our life. I think there's certain moments within society that define society. I think there's one or four or 20 moments in history that forever define history. And church, I want to tell you something. I think we're living in that moment right now. We got coup attempts against governments. We got people running over each other with trucks. And we're trying to make sense of it and put a label on it. And I want to tell you the truth. What we need is hope. And I want to talk to you today about how powerful hope is and how we as Christians and specifically here at Southcrest, this is our moment to give the world something it's craving for. It's hope. First Peter chapter three. In fact, I want to encourage you as a Christ follower, if you want to get encouraged in what's happening in our world right now, because there's a lot of weird things, right? Go read the book of 1 Peter. Peter himself, who we know walked with Jesus, his life was changed by Jesus. Peter himself began to see all of the affliction and suffering that Christians were going through. And he wrote these letters, First and Second Peter, to try to bring hope to Christ followers and say this, don't give up, there's hope. Don't give up, there's hope. Even in the midst of affliction, don't give up, there's hope. 
In all of 1 Peter, he basically has kind of the the same thing. These are the things you're going to go through. This is how it's going to happen. But here's who you are, and this is how you're to respond. And I just think it's fitting for today that we're reading the passage that we are because it so fits with the world and the spot we're in. So 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to read one verse, verse 15. It says, it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And what a powerful verse. Let's, let's just read it again. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That, that word hope there, if you break it down in the original language, it means to anticipate properly with expectation of what is sure or certain. So when you go back to the verse, you, you kind of got to ask the question, okay, Peter's different than Paul. Paul would have probably written it with a lot more words. Peter just got straight to the point, right? Because when Peter said stuff, it was like, boom, here it is, okay? And so Peter said, let me tell you something. Every one of you, you need to do something. You need to honor Christ, the Lord is holy, and always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. And I started thinking about that. Wow. Hope. He said, you need to be ready because you need to represent hope to this world. You need to be ready because there's going to be that moment people are going to look at you and say, all of the world is falling apart and you are not falling apart. What is different about you? What is it? Are you just more skilled at handling your problems? Have you just got a better behavior management system set up? Like, are you just better organized of how to think positively about things? No, what is it? Here's what it is. He says, here's what it is. It's hope that is in you. See, here's the thing about hope. Hope always comes with an expectation. In fact, I say it this way. Expectation is always attached to hope. If you don't have any expectation in your life, there's probably no hope in your life. There's probably little hope in your life. Let me give you an example. If you come to life and you basically say, I am expecting nothing. I'm just going to let things happen. I don't want things to change. No, no, no. Listen, you're just revealing that you're very low or little in hope. And so it's funny because you can go on the, the TV screens and watch the news feeds or you can go on social media and everyone is talking as if there is no hope. The only problem is the wrong. <laughs> Because what I want to share with you today, I think can be a game changer. And I think when it's over, you may go, man, I have way more to represent in the area of hope than I thought I did. And so I hope you receive some really good news today. Because Peter said this, he said, in the midst of all that's happening to you, you need to set Jesus apart, Christ, the Lord, Messiah. What does Christ mean? It means Messiah. He says, Lord. What does Lord mean? It means ruler. What does holy mean? He says, he's perfect. This first thing about us having hope is to understand who Jesus is. He is Messiah, which means he came to save us. He is Lord. That means he's ruler over all things. And then he says this, and then he says, 
He's holy. He's the perfect one. See, here, here's, the, here's the reason why we have hope today. Jesus is and was the Messiah. Jesus is Lord of all. And he's the holy one. He's set apart. There's nobody like him. There's nothing like him. He is perfect in all of his ways. So you go, okay, I get that. I get that. So what has Christ done to give us this hope? I'm glad you asked that question. If you have a pen, you better hang on because we're gonna go there real quick. See, here's what Peter does. He gives us one verse in the middle of the book and then he gives us verses all throughout 1 Peter that surround this one idea of what is it that Christ has done that gives us hope. And I wanna say this to you today. If you're here today and you feel like as a Christ follower, I've given my life to Jesus, but I don't know fully what I have in me, this is your moment. Like take a pen, write this down. This will super encourage you in your life. The first thing is this. What has Christ done to give us hope? Number one, he came. He came. He came. He was made manifest. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21. It says, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. In other words, God talked about him coming years and years and years ago. But in the last 2,000 years, God sent his son, like Jesus came to the earth. And we sing every Christmas, he's the prince of peace, right? He is the prince of peace. He came. He says, through him, you believe in God whom raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Why is that? Because he came. Number two, he died. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And he's quoting Isaiah 53. What does that mean? He died. He bore our sins. Not only did Jesus came, but he died for us. Look, it goes even further. He rose from the grave. He was resurrected. First Peter 1, 3. Praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus came, Jesus bore our sins, and he was resurrected. We could stop right there and go home. Like, if that's not reason to have hope, there is no hope. But I want to tell you, that's reason to shout. Jesus is alive. You don't even have to make a movie questioning whether or not God's dead. God's not dead. You didn't kill him. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he's alive in me and he's alive in you. He came. He died. He was resurrected. I love this one. He reigns. He has all authority over this world. 1 Peter 3, 22, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, talking about Jesus, with angels, authorities, and powers, and I love this, in submission to him. Everything is in submission to him. He reigns. He's not up there going, oh, I gotta figure this whole mess out here on earth. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, the, you know, this thing may get away from me. Like, they may do something I can't, I can't handle. God's up there going, no, 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 you don't understand. It's all under my feet. Every single 
bit of it. You say, Sean, if that's true, then why is God allowing so much evil in our world? Listen, all I know is this. God's word testifies to who he is. And the Bible tells us that everything is in submission to him. He either orders it or he allows it. He reigns. Number five, he is returning. The Bible says he's coming back. First Peter 1.13, therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hearts on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So he's resurrected, he's reigning, everything's under his feet, but guess what? He's returning. He's coming back. I mean, pack your bags. It's gonna happen. Jesus is coming back. Mark it down, like he's coming back. And when he comes back, he says he's, he's coming back and Jesus is revealed at his coming. He's coming back, why? He's coming back for us, the church. He's coming back for his bride. That gets me fired up. It almost makes me wanna look at some of the scenarios in my world and go, why do I lose hope when I know Jesus is coming back? I mean, I've lost hope over some stupid things in my life. Have you ever done that? I mean, I've lost hope over the Dallas Cowboys before. Every year, someone said every year. (laughs) We've lost a lot of hope over a lot of things, but the Bible says he's returning, he's coming back. Number six, we're always with God. He, Jesus, is bringing us to God. 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins for the righteous and the unrighteous. Look, to bring you to God. Not only is he returning, but we're always with God because he, Jesus, is bringing us to God. He says he's, got, he's bringing us to him. And then number seven, this is the part I think ought to kick us in the gut because it's so good. All things are working for our good. In other words, he is using the trials that we're gonna face to bring praise, honor, and glory to the name of Jesus. Look what it says, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, look, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We need to let go of our avoidance strategy. God, my goal is just to avoid all trials and suffering and hurt and woundedness and blah, blah, blah. And God's going, no, 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 you don't understand it. If you don't go through that, I can't display my glory through you. And I want to tell you, because I've been a believer long enough, I meet about 50% of Christians. If you gave them an A and B choice and said, would you rather suffer and bring glory to Jesus or would you rather be safe and fat and happy? They go, oh, A, safe, fat, and happy. And somehow someone worked in and said, if you love Jesus, you'll never suffer. Liar. (laughs) You're a big fat liar. I mean, I want to tell you something, man. I have testimony that this week I had a major infection in my abdomen. I wasn't even going to talk about this today. I mean, major, like they went in and cut holes in me, started draining stuff out of me. I'm like running 102, 103 fever. And by Wednesday, I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I'm gonna stand up and preach on on hope. (laughs) I ain't got no hope, I got a hole right here. I ain't got no hope. 
Wednesday night, I was at a restaurant with Matt. Matt was with me. My whole back just fell out. I had to stand up, pay the check and walk out. Matt carried me home. I mean, he's like, I think Sean just had a poltergeist moment, okay? I got up Thursday morning and I said, God, if you want me to preach on this, then you got to heal me. I want to tell you, I serve a God who heals. I'm standing here today in the power of the name of Jesus. Not in the power of Sean, not in the power of Southcrest. I'm standing here today because Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's the hope of the world. And everything I face doesn't have to offend me anymore. Because it's all for God's glory and God's praise. That's the reason for our hope. That's it. So I started thinking about this. What, what does all this mean? It's like, God, if, if that's true, if those seven things are true, that you came and you died and you bore our sins and, and, and all of that is true, then we have this amazing hope in us as Christ followers that somehow we got to get off of the idea that we got to be on the defense all the time. So I think the Lord kind of helped me understand it a little bit better. Here's what it is. You know what we are? We're nothing more than hope dealers. We're dealers of hope. Napoleon Bonaparte said this years ago, he said, a leader is a dealer in hope. And I just want to say, I think you're wrong, Napoleon. Leaders aren't dealers in hope. Christians are dealers in hope. All seven of those things are true about us. We have something that's been put inside of us through Jesus Christ that cannot be touched. And the world needs to understand where we're coming from. We're not coming from the idea that we want you to change to be like us. We want to tell you that we're here to deal you the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. And that hope can change your life forever. You see, to deal in hope, we've got to stop trading in lesser noble things. That means as Christians, as Christ followers, you need to quit going to the internet to get a word about your life. And you need to go to God's word and say, God, speak to me. What do you got to say to me? I mean, we have a lot of people speaking into us that shouldn't have the opportunity to speak into us. We need to shut down man's feed and we need to get on God's feed. We need to hear what God says to us over and over again because what he says about us is true. Like that's who we are. So you got to stop dealing in the commerce of envy and gossip and negativity and all these other things. I, I started thinking about this. You know, the world is obsessed with hurt. Let Let me explain. I'm all about reporting a story. I love it. I think it's great that we have sources that can report stories all the time. But how many times do we have to tell the story over and over again? Our world is obsessed with displaying hurt before us. We don't hear, we don't hear as many hope stories as we do hurt stories. Have y'all noticed that? They don't get on every five minutes and say, hey, hey, this guy over here just got fed by a person who calls himself a Christ follower and he's following Jesus now. Like they wouldn't put that out there. But they want us to look at the hurt over and over again. And I started thinking about this. The world is obsessed with displaying hurt. 
But we can change the world if we become obsessed by displaying and delivering and dealing hope. Hope. It's real. It's not a feeling. I'm not hoping this happens. It's happening. Jesus Christ is changing lives. 46 children gave their life to Jesus and will turn a whole city of Stockton, Teesside, UK upside down. That's awesome. There, there are people in our community this week who gave their life to Jesus and their forever was changed. We need to start dealing hope and tell the world, stop displaying hurt. I understand we got to report the news, but at some point you got to say enough's enough. You know, used to, we would give people a, a, an opportunity to grieve. Back in, the, back in the biblical days, like you had time to grieve. We don't even have time to grieve anymore. And here's what I learned, that when hurt is exploited, hope is lost. I'm gonna make a statement that's gonna be very controversial, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We need to quit exploiting the hurt. And we need to start speaking the hope. Our world's been hurting since the day that Adam sinned in a garden. And we need to say, yep, I understand. But now we need to share the hope. When hurt is exploited, hope is lost. And we can change that. You see, we as the church, we are the representation of Jesus that can change that. So I wanna make this statement to us today. The church needs to stop living hurt, offended, and wounded. And we need to start living hopeful, loving, and healed. You say, does that really work? Oh, it works. When I was in Israel, one of the things that you'll see if you go to Israel with us this next year is on your way to Tiberias, you're leaving Caesarea. There's this highway that takes you all the way to Tiberias in the Sea of Galilee. And about two-thirds of the way there, your guide usually says, hey, everyone, look up to your left. And you look up to your left, and it's usually about nighttime when you're getting there. And all of a sudden, you see this city, and it's just standing on a hill, and there's all these lights, and it's like it's undeniable. And we know from fact that Jesus would have stood in that field when he preached the Sermon on the Mount that's right at the base of that, when he looked at his followers and he said, listen, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Everywhere you go around the Sea of Galilee, you see the city on a hill. It's undeniable. And I started thinking, that's what we are. Our job is not to persuade people. Our job is to represent the hope that is Jesus Christ. We don't need an argument. You say, well, don't I need to know like 17 points of how to defend my faith? No, you need to learn one point. Open your mouth and start telling people about Jesus. Just tell him what you know. I mean, as a 17-year-old, I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't even know what I was talking about. Hey, Jesus changed my life beside of my bed. Friends are like, yeah, right. No, really, he did. <laughs> you just start talking. Jesus will give you the words. The truth is, we don't have an argument to win. We have a hope to reveal. We have a hope to reveal. So some of you, you've been like, man, this is like, this is killing me, Sean. You've got a box on stage and I have no idea what's in it. Like I can read some of your minds. Like I can feel the vibe coming this way. 
and you're like, what in the world is in that box, right? Like you're thinking if I open it, it could be a large clown, which would freak Caleb Warren out. Um, <laughs> a lot of other things. But, uh, but I, I brought some friends to try to help us understand this idea that, that we are dealers of hope. We're dealers of hope. So, so this is one friend I brought. This is Nemo, Pez Dispenser. You, you, open his, you open his mouth, hope comes out. <laughs> oh, he gets better. Got any Chick-fil-A fans here? Yeah. Like you literally pull his ear back and it comes out. Like, like I saw this one, this one, this one. I, I grew up loving Disney. So this one I thought, wow, this is, this is intense. Like I had this one, Right. I borrowed this from somebody who collects these. And so they're up there looking at me right now going, please don't break that one, <laughs> okay? But, but the truth is this, listen, as simple as it is, in fact, I wanna say this. I don't ever remember the candy being that good. I just don't. But here's what I do remember. I remember the idea that this thing represented the fact that it dispensed a piece of average candy in an extraordinary way. Guys, listen, here's what we are. We're dealers of hope. We're so much better than a Pez dispenser. What comes out of us is because what's inside of us. And we need to begin to open our mouths and we need to shut off all the negativity we need to quit getting in conversations with people about arguments, about things that they want. Listen, the world will always want you to argue with itself over sin. It always does. That's not my argument. God settled it 2,000 years ago. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. In fact, I like what, what Jesus himself said. He said, I'm gonna leave. God's gonna send the Holy Spirit and he will convict people of righteousness. I don't convict people. I'm here to rep Jesus. And every day, God's giving you and I opportunities to be a hope dealer. You know what the problem is for some of us? We're still caught up in our hurt. We can't even focus on dealing hope. The church needs to get unoffended. We need to quit caring about things on the inside and we need to care about everything outside these walls. I believe when the church, when we become dealers of hope, I think this world will look at us just like Jesus said, and he'll say, see that city on a hill? You can't hide it. You can't hide it. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.